Well, if you will turn to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, we're not going to spend a ton of time in this text, which makes me sad because it's a great text and we could spend a lot of time here, but I will reference it later in the service. We are, if you're visiting with us, you should know that we usually preach straight through um, books of the Bible, something called expository preaching. Uh, but uh, we are in the middle of a topical series on assurance, and we have already talked about the assurance of, uh, well, let's see if I can remember. Uh, let's see, forgiveness, assurance of salvation, and last week we looked at the assurance of, um, what did we look at last week? <laughs> That's embarrassing. Uh, come on. Now, it's more embarrassing if none of us can remember it. What? What did we talk about last week? Assurance of victory over sin. I hope it's been a good week for you. Apparently, my brain's a little mush this morning. Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray. So, Lord, I pray that you would use your word in this time to remind us the amazing gift of prayer. I pray that by the end of our time together that you would give us a greater fervency for prayer and a deeper belief in its uh, power as we come before your throne even now, asking these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the greatest uh, country songs the last 30 years uh, was written by Garth Brooks, uh, Unanswered Prayers. Unanswered prayers. Do you know this song? I've been singing it a lot at my house over this last week. Christy can tell you all the words now to it. Um, it tells a story of, um, of a young man in high school who was madly in love with a girl. And he prayed every night that uh, he would get to date her, that the Lord would, would make her his. And he even offered God a deal saying in the words of the song, If he'd only grant this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Well, in Garth's great theology, God didn't answer the prayer. Apparently there wasn't any interest on the part of the lady. 
And the years passed by and he married someone else and they went back to uh, his old high school football game and he ran into his uh, old high school flame. And he noticed that she wasn't what he thought she'd been. And he could see in her eyes that she felt the same way. And then in there, I thank the good Lord uh, for the gifts in my life, he says. Um, They were both glad that they hadn't gotten married, they hadn't stayed together. And so Garth sings in an almost hymn-like quality in the chorus, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he may not answer don't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Now, we understand the sentiment, right? We're thankful many times we look back and think, thank the Lord he did not answer it that way. But is this the right category? Can we say that there are some prayers that God leaves unanswered? That he files away in a drawer, puts at the bottom of the stack, forgets about, or ignores? Is that a category as believers that we can find in the Bible? I don't think so. I don't think this phrase, this idea of unanswered prayers even exists. Now what we mean by that is he has not answered in the way we've wanted to. We've we've prayed very specifically for something and God does not answer it the way we have desired. But we cannot say as believers that God leaves any prayers unanswered. Because of our relationship with him, God always answers the prayers of his people. God always answers the prayers of his people. You feel the tension though, right? Because we have many things we've prayed for for perhaps years. Or even perhaps for things that seem very godly, for someone's healing, for someone's conversion, for the removal of suffering. But the reality is that God answers every prayer. Uh, We have recently been embroiled in a squabble with the health insurance company. You know how these things work, right? You have to hold your head just right in order to get them to pay for anything. And uh, we thought they hadn't treated us uh, fairly, and so we wrote them a nicely worded letter. It actually was nicely worded uh, because it wouldn't help if it weren't. Um, You know, I was writing it with a lot of things in my heart, but different things were coming out on my pen. Asking them to appeal their decision. Uh, And we waited weeks and weeks and weeks for this thing. And, and, And on the hook was a decently large health bill. And, you know, we got an answer back. We got an answer. Do you know what it was? No. Um, you know, of course, you can, that, that would be the answer, right? Now, here's the thing. It, they, they answered it. They answered our request. It just wasn't the way we wanted. As believers, we can have the assurance of salvation and forgiveness of sins and victory over sin, of, of answered prayer, next week guidance, and then in two weeks the, the answer, uh, the, the assurance of heaven. We can have the assurance that God answers every one of our prayers. But Brian Chapel in his book, Praying Backwards, a fantastic volume, helps us here. He says, God always answers our prayers in one of four ways. Yes, no, not yet, or immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. God is going to answer every one of our prayers in one of four ways. Yes, no, not yet, or immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We can rest assured 
that because of what Christ has done for us, and we have access before the throne room of God, He is going to answer every one of our prayers. Do, do you think we believe that? We may believe it in our heads, but as we go through the day, do we really believe that? As we face problems, as we face points of tension, of conflict in our lives, as we deal with children or demanding situations at work or ethical situations we have to navigate or problems at school, do we really believe that the Lord answers every prayer? I think a lot of times we don't. What is prayer anyway? There's a helpful definition in your bulletin we read earlier. is our affirmation of faith from the Westminster Larger Catechism. But there's a, there's a smaller definition I like as well by Richard Pratt in his um, book, Praying With Your Eyes Open, another great volume on prayer. And he simply says that prayer is a believer's communication with God. There are three elements of prayer. You have God, a believer, and communication. Without God being a part of the, the prayer, it's not a prayer. It just becomes wishful thinking. We don't wish things in prayer. We ask for them. If a person isn't a believer, he doesn't have access before the throne room of God. Without communication, there's no voicing of our need between the believer and God. All three things must be in place in order for it to be prayer. God, the believer, and communication. Sometimes we make prayer very difficult, more difficult than I think we find in Scripture. And it's just simply speaking our mind to God, either in our mind or aloud, either alone with others. We can have prayers of worship and adoration, prayers of confession and repentance, Prayers of thanksgiving and praise, prayers of supplication, prayers of mourning, prayers that come in moments of joy or perhaps in moments of deep sorrow or need, prayers that are short and urgent, prayers that are more developed, spontaneous prayers that come for the moment or those that are planned and written out to be prayed later. Whatever it is, whatever kind of prayer that we bring before the throne room of God, we must realize the amazing gift and promise that prayer is to us. Think about what happens when we go to the Lord in prayer. We come before the God of gods, the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God Almighty, Lord of hosts and angel armies, the God of glory, the great I am, the creator of the heavenly places and all the 300 sextillion stars whose throne is in the heavens, the sustainer of all things, the designer of all things, the one who has designed the greatest galaxy to the smallest cell. We we come before our righteous judge and we come before our Father. Does prayer work? Yes, because of who we get to pray to. We come before Him. And we who are previously defiled by our sin, who had no access before the holy, holy, holy God, the Lord God of hosts of Isaiah chapter 6, we get to come into His presence because we have been declared righteous in His eyes because of what Christ has done for us. And because Christ's blood has been applied to us, we have been cleansed of our sins in all unrighteousness, all impurities, all uncleannesses, and we get to come before Him and ask for things. How amazing is that? If we were given the privilege to say, hey, you can ask the President of the United States for any one thing and he's going to grant it, we're going to think long and hard about it. But we get to come daily, moment by moment, before the throne room of God and speak not to someone who is far from us, but to whom we have been brought near by the blood of the Lamb, our own Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Daddy. And we get to tell Him what's on our mind. 
We get to come before Him in boldness and in confidence because we have been declared righteous by Him. We get to come in the name of Christ, relying on what He has done for us, not relying on how well we've done that day or what what number of good works we have done. He longs to hear from us. And so in prayer we approach the very throne of God who is sovereign over all things. And here's the kicker. He answers every request. There isn't a file folder of ones he doesn't want to deal with. Surely you have that stack in your office too, right? He doesn't have that. He doesn't have the trash bin or the file 13 where things go to disappear. He answers every request of his people. And so there's so many promises of prayer in Scripture. John 16, 24, Until and now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Mark eleven twenty three 23-24, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that when he says, what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Matthew 7, 9 through 11, in which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? James 4 verse 2, B, you do not have because you do not ask. God attaches many promises to the great gift of prayer in His Word. Why then don't we pray? I think it's because we believe that there is such a thing is unanswered prayers. We pray to God because He is sovereign, He is powerful and in control of all things. We pray to Him because He has the ability to answer our prayers. You know, every believer of every stripe of every denomination believes on his or her knees that God is sovereign and in control. We don't hope things will happen. We don't wish things will happen. We ask for things to happen. God loves us and He loves to hear from us. Those of you with grown children, don't you love hearing from your children on the phone? So our Father, immeasurably more, loves to hear from His children. I love the story of George Mueller. Do you know his story? He, he founded the orphanage in, in England, um, uh, living in the 19th century. And he was one of these guys who felt convicted not to ask people for money. He would just pray for it. I want to read you an excerpt from a a, a book um, telling his story. On March 9th, 1842, the resources of the orphanage run by George Mueller were exhausted. For many years, Mueller had never asked for money to run the orphanage. He simply prayed for their needs, and God always had supplied. But on this day, the money had run out. Mueller's response was to do what he knew best. He gathered friends early in the morning and he prayed again. The daily mail provided no relief. What were they going to do? The kids were starving. They had nothing to eat. What did this man do? He prayed. Then just as all hope seemed lost, a special delivery letter arrived. 
It was a letter that had initially been delivered to the wrong address. The letter contained a sizable gift, mailed from another city. The timely arrival of the misdirected letter meant that the Lord had begun to answer the morning prayer several days before. The Lord had interwoven events, thoughts, and timing involving the donor, the postal service, various forms of transportation, bank transfers, and Mueller's prayers to culminate in the needed donation arriving at just the right moment. God answers prayer. You know, as I think back in my own life of times when God has answered prayer, I remember there was this very special week. It was the week between VBS and General Assembly two years ago. And, uh, and I noticed that the Lord was just answering prayers in unbelievable ways. And I, and I thought, I better start writing these, some of these things down. And in the seven-day period, I counted 24 specific answers to prayer that had happened that week. Some of them have been ones that I've been praying for for a long time. Some of them were for you. Some of them were for my family. It was amazing to see that seven-day period, 24 answers to prayer that I recognized. How many did I miss? God uses prayer. But there's tension, right? Let's pretend like there's not. Let's not pretend like there is, excuse me. <laughs> That'd be nice, but we pretend like there wasn't. What do we do when God doesn't answer our prayers like we won't? I don't know about you, but that is perhaps one of the most discouraging things in a prayer life is to pray fervently and persistently for a long time and not see God move in the way that we desire. There's great tension there, especially when we pray for godly things. And there's much I don't understand there. But I think we have a lot to learn from the passage we read at the beginning of our service this morning, Mark chapter 14. If, if you don't have it open, open there. There's one verse that I, I really want to point out to you that's, that's very, very helpful. You'll remember that um, this is the night in which Jesus is betrayed. The, the disciples have already been bickering about who's in charge or who's the best. Uh, they've taken the Lord's Supper. Jesus has washed their feet. Uh, Judas has left them. Uh, Peter has been told he would deny the Lord three times. And so they've gone to Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's taken all his disciples, 11, Judas is gone, he's brought all the 11, and then he leaves some and takes three with him, Peter, James, and John, a little bit further, then he leaves them somewhere, and then he goes a little further in, about a stone's throw away, we're told, and he prays. And he's praying so fervently that there are sweat, there are droplets of blood coming off of his brow, he is sweating blood. That's, that's actually a known medical phenomenon as well. Uh, when, when something is so stressful, that can happen. He's sweating blood, and he's praying hard. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not a surprise to him that the cross will soon come or that Judas will appear soon. But what does he pray? Verse 36, Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, will, but what you will. Do you see there are three elements here? He, he is believing strongly that God can do whatever he wants. All things are possible for you. And then he makes a specific request. Please, Lord, please, Father, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way this could happen, oh, may it be. 
But then what does he say? Yet not what I will, but what you will. He affirms strong belief that God can do whatever He wills. He prays specifically for what He is asking for, but then He submits Himself to the will of the Father. God has a very big plan for you, for your life, and for this world, for all of creation, for His church. We are caught up in His story. and There are things that He is doing in His story that involve us that we're not always privy to. And yet we come to Him and we ask for things. And He answers our prayer. Now sometimes He may answer yes. And those are fun, right? When we get to see those things. Praise God. Praise God. We saw that this week. My father, as many of you know, uh, was facing some very significant health challenges and his MRI came back completely clean. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. He answered exactly how we'd asked for. Amen. Praise Jesus. Sometimes, though, he answers no. Remember the Blue Cross Blue Shield letter we got? Uh, Very kindly worded, but it was still no. Sometimes the Lord answers no because our prayers are hindered by sin. Psalm 66, 18. If I'd cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. When we're running in unrepentant sin, we should not uh, expect Him to answer in the way that we desire. Sometimes He will, but most of the time He won't. Sometimes our prayers are hindered by doubt. James 1, 6 through 7. But let, not him ask, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. The doubt here has less to do with what he's asking for, that God will give that to him, but rather uh, the belief that God has the ability to do it. Even when Christ prayed in the garden, his strong belief wasn't that God was going to give him whatever he wanted as if he could dictate to God his actions, but that God could do whatever he wanted to. Sometimes our prayers are hindered by asking wrongly, James 4.3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Um, it's probably not wise to pray for a McLaren F1 every day or a Mercedes, you know, a, a Lamborghini just so that uh, we can look good. I mean, those, those might be unhelpful things. Um, 1 John 5.14, sometimes he says no because it's not according to his will. This is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have to ask things according to His will, that is, according to His revealed will, the the Word of God. We can't ask God to help us rob a bank. I'm sorry. We can't ask God to help us cheat the IRS. I'm sorry. We can't ask God to fill in the blank, whatever is against the law of God. Those things are not according to His will. God's not going to honor those prayers. But He also has His secret will, his, His plan for all of creation. Sometimes when we ask for good things, and he says no, it's according to his, his plan for reasons we may not understand. Knowing that big picture-wise, that Christ is making all things new, and we are hurtling towards the day of Christ's return, where the prayers of his people will be turned into praise. So yes, no. Yes, no. He also might... Answer no to protect us. Can you think back on times when you've asked for something fervently, and then you look back later and think, praise God, he didn't give me that. Employment, 
relationships, places where you'd live, houses to buy. It's amazing how God protects us. If your five-year-old or six-year-old or seven-year-old wanted your permission to play with your pistol and lots of ammunition, what would you say? He wants it badly. This is the only thing he wants in life. But you know, as his father or mother or grandmother or grandfather, that's not good. You're going to protect him and say no. Sometimes God says no to protect us. Sometimes he says not yet. Yes, no, not yet. Sometimes he says not yet. Sometimes our lives, um, in our lives, the, the answer yes doesn't come early. It comes later after years of persistent prayer. My great-grandmother, for whom we had prayed for many, many years, became a Christian the day before her death at the age of 98. Um, and that was a not yet. Praise the Lord, it was a yes in the long run. But, my four, but the fourth and my favorite is sometimes the answer is immeasurably more than we ever could ever ask or imagine. When you pray for this and he gives you that. When he prays that you pray that you would, he would help you a little bit with the conflict or relationship, that it would just be a little bit better, and then he blesses it and it's fantastic. Those are fun to see. When you pray for salvation of someone you know and the Lord grants you revival. You know, over the years I've, I've sent many um, letters to elected officials of both parties, to governors, to representatives, to senators, and at least two presidents. I actually ha- have a response from, from President Obama. I couldn't find it. Um, but, you know, it, it actually wasn't from President Obama. Can you imagine that? Uh, I, have a for- I had a formal relationship with President Obama. Uh, he was my president. He was my elected official. But when I got his, his answer back, it wasn't actually from President Obama. It was something probably pretending to be him or, uh, you know, his auto pen signature. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, uh, keep, keep prayers coming kind of thing. Um, I have a formal relationship with him. Okay, we don't have a formal relationship with the Lord. If you're not, if you're not a believer, that's your relationship. But if you're a believer, then you are his adopted son, a co-heir with Christ... You are his beloved, and he loves you. And you don't get form answers back. You get to come before him, and he answers you personally. He doesn't give it to a secretary. The God of the universe himself answers. Well, do you have this sort of personal relationship with the Lord? Remember, there are three elements to prayer. God, a believer, and communication. If you haven't asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and accepted Him personally as your Lord and Savior, then one of those three elements is not in place. But that can surely change today. If you ask Him to forgive you of your sins and entrust your soul to Him, to Jesus, that will change today. For the rest of us who are in Christ, who have trusted in Christ for salvation, you know, I think we look forward to the day when our faith turns into praise. Our faith to cite, our prayer to praise. And just perhaps we'll get to sit around and talk about all the ways that God used the prayers of our friends, of our loved ones, those around the world, those even perhaps generations back, of how the Lord used those prayers of the saints in our lives and of those whom we love. Until then, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Father, we thank you for prayer. Help us to believe in the assurance of answered prayer even though um, it may not be what we want. But Lord, we, we thank you that often do, often you do answer in exactly the ways we ask, not because we can dictate to them, but because you love us 
And you have long ordained that you would use the prayers of your people to achieve your purposes, your ends, for, for your glory and our good. Lord, help us to be more fervent in prayers, in our prayers, uh, praying with expectation, expectation that you will move and do mighty things. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.